Howdy, Rob Lee here, and we're going to get back to the truth in this art, but I want to do a little exercise with you. As you know, the truth in this art is an audio experience, so I'm going to ask you to do something a little different this time and visualize with me. I'm thrilled to reintroduce you to Forged Eatery, a true gem that captures the essence of farm-to-table dining in Baltimore. At Foraged Eatery, they have mastered the art of sourcing local and seasonal ingredients, resulting in a menu that will leave you in awe. Their commitment to quality and to flavor is simply unmatched. Picture yourself, see it's the visual, picture yourself uh, savoring their mushroom stew, a comforting and aromatic dish that transports you to a world of culinary bliss. The depths of flavor and the carefully selected ingredients will tantalize your taste buds. You can swap out and insert the focaccia, which is heavenly, or the irresistible cornmeal fried happy oysters. Each bite is a celebration of culinary mastery. Forged Eatery goes beyond being simply a restaurant. It's an immersive experience where the menu evolves with the seasons. Each visit promises a new and exciting experience for your taste buds, making every moment unforgettable. So, fellow food fans, fellow food lovers, it's time to discover the magic of Forged Eatery. Let their innovative approach to dining and their passion for locally sourced ingredients transport you to a world of culinary excellence. Don't miss out on an extraordinary dining experience. Plan your visit to Forge Eatery today and let your taste buds revel in the true flavors of the season. It's time to indulge in a gastronomic adventure that will leave you craving for more. For more information, visit ForgedEatery.com. Welcome to The Truth In This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. Thank you for sharing, listening, subscribing to this podcast. Today, we'll take a transformative journey into the emotional and spiritual depths of art with an artist who creates immersive sensory experiences meant to awaken and connect. Please welcome Blue Robin. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on. Um, and it's it's one of those things. I, I need to figure out where you're located because I wasn't sure. I saw Philly. I saw some. <laughs> stuff. I'm like, all right, where's where's do that? But before we get into to some of that stuff, I at least want to start off with um giving you the the space um to to introduce yourself. Um, I think there's a lot of strength in that. Um, folks, you know. Like, for instance, if someone introduces me for like a panel or something, they'll say, you know, podcaster or whatever. And I'm like, ah, I prefer audio wizard, you know, more than podcaster. So that works. That works. I want to give you that space to introduce yourself. So uh, my name is Blue Robin, originally from Philly. And yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> and I focus on being a creator and being the artist of love. So everything I do is centered around love. And so depending on which medium is needed at that time will determine what I'm using. So I don't like to say I'm a painter. I don't like to say um, I'm a fashion designer. Or I don't like to say any of those specific things because it just kind of limits the amount or, or how I'm able to create. And so I, it, who's who's telling what's it going to be in the future? But right now I'm doing a little bit of everything. 
No, I think that's I think that's great. It's it's one of those things where if you have a lot of interest, you kind of delve into those to see what it is. But having sort of that that North Star of I'm doing this out of love, you know, and, you know, for for me and what I'm doing, I I sort of like seek the truth in what I'm doing Mm -hmm. in terms of uh, the storytelling thing or even. You know, I do a movie review podcast outside of this, and um, I'm looking for those like little factoids that are kind of uh, forgotten sometimes and going through this sort of black lens. But, you know, I don't say that I reviewed this or I'm an archivist or whatever. I just say, like, I do podcasts and they kind of are about these topics and I kind of approach it in this way. So for, for you, what was your like one of your early art experiences or experiences with creativity, whether it is in the the making of it or in the appreciating of it. But what comes to mind when you think back to one of those really early experiences related to art and creativity? Oh, so I'll probably say one that kind of made me start taking it serious. I think I had to be in about second or first grade and I went to a private school, so our our school went from kindergarten all the way up to eighth grade, and they had this school-wide competition to, like, draw something, and I was just like, well, I've been drawing a little bit here and there, like, uh, off of um, com- off of comics and then off of, like, cartoons, but I was like, let me tackle this, and I think we did, I did, like, a St. Nicholas or something like that piece, and I, it was bigger than me because I was all of, like, all of, what, two feet tall around that time, <laughs> But I did a piece that was pretty big. And then from that, uh, I was entered in a competition. And I was one of like four finalists. And it went from kindergarten all the way up to eighth grade. And I think all the other kids were like towering over me. So it was all upperclassmen. Um, and then I was like the only like second or first grader that was in the competition. But to have my work be able to to hold its own up against like eighth graders i was like all right i think i might be i might be on to something it's like the uh, the jv versus the varsity thing (laughs) right the big boys i got this this. (laughs) what what were your what were some of your favorite cartoons or comics growing up whenever someone mentions that it definitely gets my Mm -hmm. ears up you know so i like i would say my favorite cartoon had to be um gargoyles Nice, nice. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, being, uh, you know, at this stage in life uh, and having that as a reference point, there's a lot of unintentional comedy in some of those. <laughs> You're like, really? really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. All of the barrows. Got it. Right, right. <laughs> so you, you touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, what are the mediums that you're working in and what was the first one what was the first one sort of like the drawing and, and, and sketching what was what the the mediums that you're working in currently and what was sort of that first one for you so i'll start with the first one and then i'll work my way up so the first one i would say was pen because uh i was raised by my grandmother and so she was a uh, she worked in the school so every day she would come home she had scrap paper and pens and all that and so we would break the pencils and we would Uh, do different things thrown around so the pens were what we had a lot of and so what i would do is take the scrap paper and i would draw with a pen the difference is that with a pen there's no erasers so i just learned how to just stack on top of it so a lot of my earlier pieces and still today like those pieces like literally like there's no such thing as a mistake it's just something that adds to the story and so i just kind of really took that in and then now i 
as I move into other mediums, I take that same message, that same lesson and and kind of attack it that same way. So in moving into the other mediums, what are you exploring like these days? Like, like I would imagine as you, you touched on is like, it's not one particular thing, but let's say if there was something you were working on today, what mediums did you kind of play within today? So right now I actually have a fragrance line that I just released this year um, called Azura. And that's literally, I spent an entire year working with a, um, a perfumist out, up in New York, literally crafting the scent and going through like, we think it was between like 15 to 20 different um, formulas until we got to the one that I was like, this is it. And so to me, I took it the same way I was with the canvas. It's just like, all right, we just layer it and we're just layering it. I right, we add this to this, take this out, add that. And then until where that scent literally like opens up like a flower as, as you're wearing. Look, man, I've been trying to figure out how to get connected with uh, perfumist, perfumist, right? Right, right. You know, like I need to have that that smell of podcast studio. It's like <laughs> over food, maybe a little blunt smoke. Who knows? Right. Uh, you know, tequila. You know, it's a lot of different yeah. Yeah. Uh, failures. All of that stuff as a fragrance. That is the podcast mm-hmm. smell. So but that's really that's really dope that you've even gone into that. I I, I, admit, I always admire um, folks, like when I look at music, right? When someone's like mm-hmm. a multi-instrumentalist, that's got right. my attention. It's like, mm-hmm. you can be a virtuoso at any one particular thing. And I'm not, um, I'm, I'm dogging that or anything, but when someone's a multi-instrumentalist, I'm interested in how they think. So if someone right. is doing multiple things and it's like, you're dabbling with perfumes, you're figuring out fragrance. And this was a question that, um, came up this past weekend. Uh, I was at a um, convention and uh, I was talking with my partner about, you know, of the senses of the main, like, you know, five senses we talk about, what is the one that, you know, has the most sort of memory attached to it? And for for both of us, we came to a smell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's something about that, that people are playing with that, that just, I don't know, it just hit me when you mentioned the, the perfume. And it's funny that you, I'm going to circle back into what you just said, because it's <laughs> funny you say that because my my reasoning for tackling the perfume was that I was, I started out with memory. So memory was the thing that I was always trying to capture. And then also when you tap into memory, you tap into the emotions and then people have that connection to it. Right. And so I was trying to figure out how do I tackle and tap into all the senses. And so the way I went on that journey was the same way you would go into like a a martial arts journey or different things like that. Like I want to, I got to practice one skill set first and get an understanding before I stack the other. And then as I get that understanding, I fuse them together to create a whole series of movement. And so that's literally what was happening. Like I, I focused on the the visual sense, um, sense, and then I went into touch. And then after I kind of got a sense of those, I started playing with sound and different things. And so then my next one that was on the list was, was scent. Because I know once I can trigger scent, I can really start to pull them in. And so now if you can get a scent, if you go into a gallery and you smell like the fragrance going around, but you're also seeing the art that's also playing off of that same thing. Now you're creating an experience. Yeah. It's, it's sort of the the whole thing. When I, I go to a place and I'm a person that enjoys a a good scent. I got the Lilabo stuff. I got, I got, a, I got a few different things. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I, I have like a really expansive sort of like, you know, how you have like your, your dressers or what have you. You probably have like yeah. one of those expansive closets that just right. has a wall. But 
you know, I go in there and I'm like, yeah, all right, I got that, got that bond number nine. I'm going to pull that out. <laughs> you know, I try to do it seasonally, right? I'm like, no, nah, right, right. they're the same smell every day, player. I'm doing that, <laughs> doing that. So yeah, smells are smells are important. And I think you're right. The experience thing is it's just a big piece of it. Um, you know, I think, and, and again, going back to one of the things you touched on, I, again, I admire when folks are like, eh, not really setting any boundaries. You know, I'm kind of right. what I do. So like for me, I want to get into doing sort of creative consulting. I want to say, mm-hmm. well, I think this is a good idea for a sandwich. I think this should be the music that's there. I don't want to be a restaurateur, but right. I have ideas and thoughts in how something works. I have taste. And I think mm-hmm. that's what I'm hearing when it comes to sort of the creative pursuit and creative passion and the sort of pursuing things out of love. Right, right. That's exactly what it is. Exactly. Speaking of love. It's, I've seen, you know, uh, what is it? The description of a victim and a villain of love. Tell me more about that. Is that accurate? Did I read that right? I mean, if you truly want to experience life, you have to experience all sides, right? And so it's it's sometimes when those things where you see people or, or thing, they kind of tell the story where they've always been the good guy. And if you're always the good guy, you haven't really seen what it's like on the other side. And you're also missing out on the story because you being a good guy can sometimes cause you to be the bad guy in someone else's story. And so taking and acknowledging that aspect of it um, allows you to really be able to see the full picture of what it is. And sometimes I think we always think of like the butterflies and the mushy stuff that comes with love, but sometimes it gets a little rough. It gets a little grungy and, and whatnot. And I think those elements are just as beautiful as the, the, the soft and the sweet elements. And so drawing more light on that then it gives people a more of a a clearer picture and so that then they're not having these wild and crazy dreams of what it is they actually can see and experience what it is yeah i I think it gives you it gives you reference to like right you know people talk about the sour and the sweet you don't know one Mm -hmm. from the other without having the other and You know, even when you you do things out of love and love is a component of it, like I love doing podcasts. I've been doing them for a very long time and I've joked many a times. It's not inaccurate that it's the most stable relationship I've been in. Um, and in it, you know, you, you may do things and I approach things as sort of a good guy. I'm doing this, this project of doing these interviews. It's not about me. You know, mm-hmm. it's about the guests that are coming on. It's like, really, if you sit, really sit back and think about it, you know, it's not, I, I have this logo in the background. It's not a picture right. in most instances. So it's trying to amplify and help share the stories of folks. And a lot of times I find that this is folks' first podcast. You know what I mean? Mm, and yeah. I'm like, okay, I feel like a sort of duty and a responsibility there. And then on the other side of it, you know, I could be doing other things. I could be doing just a podcast that's really much about me or about something that I'm pursuing that's very selfish and very loving towards me, but not necessarily loving towards the the community in which I want to serve. Um, but I really, really love it. And then on the other side of it, there's this sort of, uh, you know, you, you, if you're, quote unquote, uh, a boss or if you're sort of running things, you can't always be like the nice, loving character. Right, you love that thing that can't uh, defend itself, that creative thing mm-hmm. can't defend itself. So you have to be the sort of the jerk, sort of the the the, the stone wall, and it doesn't always come out as a loving and embraceive sort of thing. 
Right. And those are the, the moments where people can take those things personal when it's not about it being a personal attack. It's about that the overall vision or mission is so much stronger that if people are take, getting too close or getting too personal about it, then it may feel like an attack. But it's just it's just really just a defense of continuing the great thing that's being built. How do you distinguish that when it comes to like collaboration? Um I, one of the things I we went to this past weekend, there was a panel about collaboration specifically mm-hmm. between um, different types of creatives. This was a, a panel um, with um, artists and writers. And sometimes mm-hmm. the visions aren't the same. It's like, okay, you're writing a little too much, bro. Can we focus on the art? Can we make sure right, that's right. right? So when in those instances where you're collaborating or in those instances where you're seeking knowledge, as you you touched on with the perfumist, um, the fragrance mm-hmm. artist, how how do, do those instances work where you're pursuing what you're pursuing with the love and the intention around it, where they're not kind of like clicking the, the, the collaboration isn't clicking in the way, how do you distinguish those things? So I think of it like a, like a jazz band, right? Like I might play the, 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 the saxophone, but I need the drummer to still bring that, that soul and that funk with them. And I may have one way I'm taking this song and they may have another way. But what we have to do is that when we're back, we're on that stage and we're playing together, we got to figure out what is the sound of us together, not what is the sound of us as individuals. And so a lot of time is spent on trying to find that middle ground or that sweet spot where both of us actually dwell and really amplifying that. And then from time to time, you give pockets that you can kind of show what you really are bringing to the table and they can show what they bring into the table. It's the same thing. Like if you're playing and you're jamming, then now there's a drum solo and the drum is just like, he's literally going in. And then now there's a, there's a horn solo. And then now I'm able to like really stretch my fingers. But I think keeping those spaces for, in those collaborations for people to actually really be able to kind of shine as an individual will allow them to be uh, more open and more willing to really pour into the collaborative part. That's that's great. Yeah, I would imagine you're a big jazz guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, just love, I love, I love, I love, I love music. I love sound. I love all of that. Yeah, because it made me think. Like I, 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 I dabble at the times, and I did this um, month of jazz interviews um, back in April mm-hmm. for, for Jazz Appreciation Month, and you know, used to having these conversations. And I was like, it gave me flashbacks. I was like, yo, this whole <laughs> month. And I was like, oh, did you just use like improvisation <laughs> to talk about the art collaboration work? Um, <laughs> But one of the things I've been listening to very recently is like um, uh, musicians that are like really, really like virtuoso guitarist. And they're um, doing like this neoclassical genre is kind of like mm-hmm. speed metal, really intricate finger work. But it's it's one that comes to mind that he did a with his guitar juxtaposed to like the Japan Philharmonic. And I'm like, mm-hmm. those two things shouldn't go. Then it works. Then it just mm-hmm. works. He's still able to do his long extended solos and then kind of meld back into sort of this, the classical music environment and then come back out with a solo back in. And mm-hmm. that is, it's something to be said about sort of the collaborative nature or even something like this, where, mm-hmm. as I said, before we got started, I was like, you know, it, it this is very much um, improvisational. This is collaborative. So let's say you come in, let's say with the wrong energy, or I come in with the wrong energy. Right, right. Conversation's flat, right? Or right. 
but it's just like, all right, I'm going to say my thing. And then it's like, all right, blue cook, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> go, bro. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Listen. <laughs> so, so talking about a little bit on, you know, sort of weaving these different elements of the, of emotion of um, the sensory components, because that, that's, that's really big. How do you determine or how, how do you, how do you think through that? Like, you know, what I'm doing when I'm planning out a season, right. Or some interviews, I have like some questions. I have maybe some ideas of who I want to talk to in a given time. And then I kind of go from there and build off of that. If you're working on like a new series of work, how, how are you approaching it? Like, all right, I know I definitely want to have something visual here, but I want to have something oratory here or something that um, hits the smell senses, something even from the taste perspective. How do you think through that for, let's say, a given arc of work and, and and actually even in that how often are you working like what what does that look like is it i'm completing a piece and it's going to have these elements in it from a sensory standpoint or is it i'm going to work for a few months i'm going to see what i got tell, tell me about that so I, i'm very like goal oriented so i'll create projects to really challenge myself so each project and each um, thing i work on is usually just a challenge to push myself to learn more about myself and then to learn more about how i connect to the environment which i'm in and so that's really what i'm doing so i'll put stuff out there where i'm like all right well you know one year I did 60 pieces, massive pieces in a year. So maybe this year I'm pushing it to do 80. And then now I'm like, all right, so what would 80 pieces look like? And what would be the story? Like to me, storytelling is the most important part when it comes to to that. And in my practice, because I want to take you on a journey, I want to take you through something. And so I'm thinking of what is it, the story? What is the, like, what's the narrative? And then from there, what is needed to convey that part of the narrative. And it's like when you're watching movies and then like you have like when the movie starts or when something crazy is going, you hear that that music in the background, like, all right, something's about to happen. And it's like, that's the same thing. Like in this story, like, you know, something's about to happen at this point. So maybe I need to add in some type of uh, textile or maybe I need to add in some type of sound because that's going to help get people to know that we're changing the scene or that the scene is about to get deeper. And then I kind of go with that and build it out. So I try not to go in so fixed in terms of what it's going to look like. I'm more so going to where we're trying to go. And then from there, wherever the road takes me, that's where it takes me. How do you, how do you balance that time? You, you mentioned 60 large scale pieces or have you mm -hmm. like, as a person that is an overworker, this is the part-time gig. I have the real day job and doing other things as well. Like this is probably episode 150 something of this year. I did 300 plus last year, wild yeah. stuff, but it's not sort of the labor intensive nature that a lot of folks work can be. Like I, I did an interview recently with someone who is a, who works with materials. Um, they're, they're craft based and it's like, look, I got to hit the gym or I'm not going to be able to lift my things for, you know, my, my art practice. So how do you, how do you balance that time and, you know, between, you know, working in various disciplines and putting out like pretty strong output? That's, that's like one per week. Yeah. So sometimes they come in and in, in, um, spurts. So I might get like maybe six or seven in one week. 
and then it allows that time for to, for me to like kind of take it slower and stuff like that. Um, I think the way the way I balance it. So the the person who told you about working out that's something that's extremely important to me because it helps me settle and balance like my mind and my energy. And then once I'm able to do that, I can kind of see ahead of me and I can see like the the field. And then I just kind of fix fixate on it. Like once I've set it out there and I speak it out, then I just do everything in my power to get it done. And so um, sometimes that means it's it's unbalanced. And then sometimes I'm able to find that sweet spot. But uh, just like in school, like we used to cram for tests. I, sometimes I get to that cram session, but I usually just try to be as observant of my, I guess, my energy and observant of what the universe is pouring into me. And when the window is open, I try to get as much of it out as possible. And I just let it flow. I try to, I'll try to isolate myself in terms of location and sometimes um, in terms of things that I'm actually dealing with just so that I can let everything flow until it cuts off. Mm. Yeah. It's like the, uh, the faucet will have you turn the little, little knob. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I think that what one of the things that helped me get to that point was I think I was in one exhibition and an artist had asked me, so how many people, how do you do like, how many pieces do you do at a time? I was like, I usually just do one and then I move to the next one. And they were like, well, you kind of handcuffing yourself if you do that because your mind doesn't work like that. And you're constantly thinking of different things. So why don't you try doing a couple at a time and see what happens? And then once I did that, I was able to knock out like, seven or eight pieces at, in one sitting because I'm able to take breaks. And then while I'm taking break from one, I have the energy for the next one. And so then I can literally go, and I've done this before where I go like almost a full 24 hours nonstop, just like in a trance, just creating. That's, that's, it's something that I, I think that Austin Cleon talks about in his book, mm -hmm. like still like an artist. And one of the things that I've used it in this podcast before, sort of the, it talks about the uh, analog to digital loop and, mm -hmm. He said he has two desks in his office. One is for like things that you touch and one's for things that are digital. And, you know, it's like if I get too bored, like web designing or what have you, I'm going over there to play with uh, cutting paper, uh, cutting paper, yeah. <laughs> things like that. And yeah, it's it is sort of this this reset. And, you know, when I was at my sort of most sweet spot of it, um, you know, I would do this. I'd be able to knock out like, you know, sometimes six interviews in a day. Um, mm -hmm. sometimes 18 in a week. And I would still try to look for that opportunity to do that movie podcast. Now, granted, mm -hmm. it's still a podcast, but it requires different things of me. Right. And it's less like kind of being on. You're being on, but on in a different way. Like mm -hmm. I'm running bits, you know, when I'm talking about a movie, it's like, yo, what you think about this scene? That kind of whack, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you 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 want to be mindful and respectful and not sort of waste anyone's time if you're you're interviewing them about their work because you, right. you artist types are sensitive folk. I, don't, I, don't <laughs> I would say passionate. I changed the word to passion. Passionate. That's, that's fine. <laughs> I, I'm still going to say something. <laughs> it's all of it. It's all of it. Um, right. 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 And um, so, tell me a bit about like some of those those moments, like. I read that art is a tool for healing. Um, so is there an experience that that comes to mind that kind of led you on this path of sort of, you know, approaching things out of love, having emotion in it, hitting multiple sensory um, elements? Like, tell me about how 
you know, that was their experience um, that led you to, you know, this sort of path and how you apply yourself to your work? So I guess for a while, I kind of was just creating the create. And then I had, I had, again, I came out of school and I was doing design work and I kind of was pitting like the actual art, like the painting and all more of that creative part of it to the side, because I'm like, oh, well, this is going to guarantee me this and guarantee me that. And then what was happening was I just felt empty. Like I was doing great design, but I felt like something was missing. And what was missing was the love and the love comes when I'm creating art. And so when I realized that and I tapped back into me and then I started to pour that into my designs and then also pull it out of my, uh, my art and my paintings, everything just became electric. And I was able to like tap into realms and touch people that I wasn't able to in the past. Um, because I had taken that out and thinking everything had to be more mathematical and missing the fact of like what made what I was doing unique and special. You don't want to lose your specialness. That's, that's the thing. Yeah, You, yeah. you got <laughs> to have that. Like when I, and I do these interviews, obviously I'm not the best interview in the world. This is not the best podcast in the world. I, you, know, I, you know, I challenge that, but right. uh, <laughs> you know, I got to ask myself a little bit, but, Listen. you know, it is one of those things of like, you know, what makes my thing sort of unique? And I think that's a, a lesson for a lot of artists, a lot of people who are doing anything, but I think specifically with artists, um, I've, I've encountered folks and I've had conversations with folks who, you know, their sort of craft that they really love, it's not mm -hmm. popping at that moment for whatever reason. And then mm -hmm. it's just like, I'm going to give up on this and move and try to do something that almost feels like a pastiche of somebody else's thing. Mm -hmm. It's like you just gave away your specialness, you know, yep. How, are you going to put your own stamp on it or it, it's sort of like I'm abandoning, you know, the thing mm -hmm. you're abandoning the thing that brought you to the dance and the thing that mm -hmm. to some degree, some degree or another, you're going to like this, the thing that you loved. You that know? part, that part. And that's the thing I, I like. I try to stress that so much when I'm talking to my peers and talking to the next generation as like they're coming up. It's like, look. I don't care if you just did stick figures. If you own that stick figure and it's you, it's good. It's amazing. But if you're only doing stick figures because you saw another artist do it and you think that that's the way you're supposed to do art, you miss the whole point. Yeah. And it is so flat then. Like, then it's like, all right, now let me tell, tell me about it. And you can't really tell me about it because all you're going to tell me is about another artist's story. You can't tell me how it, it connects to yours or you can't really tell me how it, you got to that conclusion because it's so much based off of what you've seen from someone else. But then it's also a reflection of you not actually tapping in to understand who you are. I, I remember... Yes. And I, I remember in college, right? You know, I went to the illustrious Morgan State University here in Baltimore. <laughs> uh, we, we had like, you'd had those classes that is like, this is a science class for like business majors. So it's right. like, you know, it's capped in a certain way. And it's like, maybe there should be like social media for artists because it's so oh, definitely where you see something, you have multiple things going. You have this sort of necessity that you got to create, create, create. It's for the engine. It's not for the exposure. It's for the engine of social media. And then it's the sort of, you know, as the, the passionate or the sensitive, as it were, you're, you're on there, you're seeing other people that are getting these shots and you're not mm -hmm. getting them, but you feel mm -hmm. like your work might be better than theirs subjectively, mm -hmm. obviously, or right. even something like what I do, um, doing a podcast thing, which I think is somewhere in that sort of intersection between arts and journalism, at least how I approach right. it, um, back in what, 
was it 2020, 2021, mm-hmm. every uh, podcast tried to do some version of an entanglement podcast. And I was like, <laughs> you're not doing anything fresh. And it didn't yeah. have any confidence and knowledge because I've been doing it so long. It's like, I could do that and I could do it really well, but that doesn't speak to me. And I right. think being able to recognize that is important, but I think it, it takes a certain like a level of experience, I suppose, where you've been doing it, you just don't get too high, you don't get too low. Mm-hmm. Just recognize like, why are you doing it? Where's the why? What is right. your why? Protecting right. that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. Like, I think even just before you even pick up the mic or you pick up the brush, understand why you picking up the mic and why you picking up the brush just like you said before you even start with it and if you check back in on a continuous basis on that why i think it'll keep you that should be your anchor the why is your anchor the why is your total yeah i got two more real questions and then i got some rapid fire questions for you um so I'm, i want to end on a positive so i'm going to hit you with the the, the more the, the the challenging question what are some of those challenges that you encounter when you're 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 working and designing like work to be consumed and interpreted in, in multiple ways. Um I know that just regular art, I don't know what that even means, but <laughs> I had conversations with people, I don't get art. And I'm like, okay, right. that's a lot that's a weird way to question it. <laughs> right. What sort of what are some of the challenges that you you face or you've faced in your unique art experience? So I would say one of the strengths I have is the fact of understanding design. Design is purpose of design is to solve a problem. And so with with that, I'm always going into like, I'm keeping that in the back of my mind and then art I'm expressing of self. So as I express myself, I see how can the expression of self solve a problem. And so then I look for where the problem of what, or I guess the solution that I come up with where that solution can fit to help. And then that's where I kind of, instead of trying to force it onto certain people, I try to find the people who naturally will gravitate towards it. Okay. I like it. This is the last one I got for you. Can you discuss a particular project or particular piece that you felt successfully like embodied? Like if you were to use your work as an elevator pitch, that's the way Mm -hmm. I find this. What would be that piece that you're like, here's my work. What's the piece? Mm, so it really just depended on the year in which you would have asked that question. Say, let's say uh, this year. Let's say this year. Let's say this year. All right. So this is Roz Rising. And this piece is an evolution of one of my older pieces, which I'm not sure if you can see in the back. I can. That yeah. one that's back there. Yeah. So that was the piece that it originally started with, which actually was originally at the Why Not lot. Yeah. Uh, up in Baltimore, uh, like off of Charles. Yeah. And and that was a, a mural piece. And, and as I did that piece, it was supposed to be paying homage to the Piscataway um, natives. And so it's a, it's a native child with a headdress. And then as the um, rivers are like coming down and meeting. Uh, and so it has a lot of texture and different things and different elements in it. So I took that piece and and then I, I remixed it. So I took the elements from the painting um, and then put it onto a digital format and then created something that allowed that piece to become a sun. Um, and it's also the sun card in the tarot deck. And that's the one. And so I pulled out elements of that. And so because I'm working on that right now, um, it's taking a bit of my past and fusing it in with my present. And so I would say that 
um, would be a definition of, I, I guess, the piece that would represent me now um, because it's me fusing my past into my present. See, I, I don't even know how to even end on that. That is <laughs> great explanation right there. Come on. You, you should listen, listen, <laughs> it's the questions. It's the questions. The questions are doing all the work. <laughs> So that's 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 really sort of the best spot to sort of wrap there. I think that was that was great. Um, I'm I'm just captivated over here. Um, so I, I want to hit you with some rapid fire questions. Um, and as I tell everyone, don't overthink these. Don't overthink these. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Um, I'm going to scrap the first one. I'm going to come up with a different one because I feel like the <laughs> you gave for that last question kind of answers this one. But, um, all right. If all right, so you're going back to the fragrance, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> what if if for and I'm sure it's gonna be, you know, the metaphysics of scent, but mm-hmm. what if <laughs> what is the the smell that comes to mind when you think of that fragrance? Like the one that uh, would be, uh, I guess so, so relatable that people were kind of like, oh, okay, it's vanilla or what have you. Oh, so you're talking about a note or you're talking about yeah. me to give you like a, a nice cool like what I think when I smell it. You know what? Actually, give me both. That's 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 good. That actually has replaced two of my questions. That's good. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's strangely familiar. Like when you smell it, I feel like it's something like I think I know this. Hmm. So it's like it's strangely familiar, but it's still it's different enough that you're not sure. And that pause is the window in which I can walk in. <laughs> so, so so it's vanilla then. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, you understand. <laughs> yeah, this the smell takes me back to you know right. making with my mom in the early '80s when uh, <laughs> we didn't have a lot of brown sugar, but we had love in the household. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, See, that's, that's what the banana is for me. No. Yeah, exactly. See. <laughs> All right, that's that's good. That's good. Um, we'll see. Uh, if you could collaborate with any artist, living or, or otherwise, right? Who would it be? Prince. See, that's, that's a great answer. See, I, you, <laughs> yeah, I got to figure it out. You, 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 I don't think you're an Aquarius, but I think you're one of those air signs. You might be in the lane. You might be in the zone. I don't know. Uh, this is the last one I got for you. Um, and, and, I, and I had to get back to asking people this because um, I find that, uh, you know, us artist types, us creative types, a lot of times mm-hmm. we're so in it that mm. we forget some of the sort of factory setting maintenance things to do. So I must ask, mm. what did you eat today? That's a dope question. That's a dope question. <laughs> so I had some uh, cinnamon coated pecans, uh, a smoothie. Yeah. And I think that was it so far. Okay. Okay, what kind of smoothie was it? Because I'm going to judge. I'm a smoothie guy, so I'm going to judge a little bit here. Um, it was it was a it was a berry smoothie with coconut. Okay, okay, that that's that's a winner right there. You know, I've definitely yeah. dove in on the coconut. It's just mostly protein shakes, and then I try to throw a smoothie in every now and again. You know, just spamming vegetables and fruit. But yeah, that's literally yeah. what it is. Um, so that's pretty much it for for this this conversation, this interview. Um, so one, I want to thank you for coming on and spending some time with me and sharing. And, uh, two, I'm going to invite and encourage you to share with the listeners where they can check you out, social media website. The floor is yours. 
All right. Well, thanks for having me. I know we've been kind of doing this back and forth for a while, but it's finally happened. I guess it just wasn't the right time, but today it is. And um, if you're looking to find me, you can reach me at bluerobincmb.com. Uh, and that's the same Blue Robin CMB on all social media platforms as well. And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Blue Robin for being a part of this uh, episode of The Truth in This Art. And for Blue Robin, I'm Rob Lee saying there's art, culture, and community in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it. Music.